We are Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2, a podcast for sci-fi lovers spanning across books, movies, TV shows, and games. Music provided by the Atlas. BlindKnowledge.com Movie, El Camino. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Science Fiction Remnant, Season 2. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope that you find this episode as exciting to listen to as it was for us to create for you. But before we start this episode, I want to take this opportunity to present to you some podcasts we think you might enjoy. Ninja News Japan is a podcast. It's about news from Japan. Japanese news. There's no ninjas. If you're interested in the news, this is a good podcast. If you're interested in Japan, this is also a good podcast. If you're interested in ninjas, this is not a good podcast. It's a Japanese news podcast. It's a podcast about Japanese news. There's no ninjas. Otto? Where are we? It appears that we have landed on another podcast. Oh. Well, this is UHS William Mackey, letting you know that we are sentient spaceships, getting in all sorts of silly adventures... While dealing with a formidable enemy. True. And... Oh, there's also the science ship. Hey. She's investigating why all of the organic species suddenly died off. Leaving the galaxy to... Spaceships! Out wherever you get your podcasts on your planet. What's up, Perro? How's business? Someone told me you had a big gig near Mars. Es lo mismo. Mis permisos de carga están algo limitados. Ah, sigue estudiando el inglés. <laughs> And if you're listening right now, you're probably wondering, what is this? Am I listening to Science Fiction Remnant? Because there's they talking Spanish. And if you guys are from our Latino community, que onda, carnales? <laughs> awesome. So if you guys are um, wondering, uh, we found a real cool um, movie that... Um, it's, it's on dust. It's only 13 minutes long. Everybody should go to dust. Yeah, it's, it has so much good content in there. Um, it's 13 minutes long, and it's the first, and, and correct me if I'm wrong here, right? Uh, and, and if you're listening out there, please. To me, it's the very first, and, and appears to be the only, because it's the very first, sci-fi mm -hmm. Spanish movie. Do you agree Can with I've that? Watch as like that it resembles a lot of like our Hispanic heritage all over the place. Yes. It's, it's really, really cool, actually. I mean, we seen things like this when we watch Expanse. Yes. Yes. Uh, it, it's, it's really cool. Um, now, if you don't understand Spanish, it's okay, right? Uh, it's a short movie. There, the, the stuff that is happening is not 
enough to like command your attention. So it's okay for you to read the subtitles. Yeah. Uh, and if you are an anime lover <laughs> like we are, then that's not an issue anyways. Yeah. Um, so before we go into that, um, what, what have you been watching lately? Uh, Captain Chaos. And sci-fi. Um, I watched this week, was on the show. We watch Akira. And I also, as always, we're watching The Matrix. Awesome. Well, what about you? I've been watching, aside from Star Trek, well, actually, oh, oh, my cool wife. It's only, oh, what Star Trek? <laughs> it's only Star Trek. Uh, because we, uh, we watched the Strange New Worlds uh, first episode that was just. We're going to have to make. An exception rule to this portion of the show where it says, "What have you been watching, Robert? Apart for Star Trek stuff?" Well, you know, Strange New World is is the without your wife, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, in that case, I have not watched anything. <laughs> I haven't watched anything. So now you know something. Yeah. We we forgot something on this episode. What? And I uh, and I you know. I think is due to the fact that we're thinking about Ray. Yeah. If you guys are wondering, you know, hey, what happened to Ray? There's only two hosts. Um, yeah, we're, we we kind of hope that you guys join us in prayer. Uh, he is going through some difficult times, uh, and we are praying for uh, for him to get over those uh, difficult times um, fast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, having Ray in, in, in our minds, we forgot to introduce ourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Who are you? So, uh, yes, <laughs> for, and I, I just feel I got to do it because if you are a new listener, uh, you might not know who the voice is in your ear. So if you hear me, I am your host, Robert. And I am Gio, your dear Captain Chaos. Awesome. And with that, we go into our next segment. We are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Accord Level 2 Podcast. This is Jesse from Sudden But Inevitable and Open Pike Night. This is Sci-Fi. And uh, for all of you uh, new listeners out there, um, this is the segment that we call This is Sci-Fi. Uh, it's basically a segment where we feature the hashtag This is Sci-Fi. And the whole idea for the hashtag is if you are a creator, if you are a fan, you want to share and you want to follow that hashtag. Um, so the whole idea is to create a community where you share your thing and others share their thing. And together, I like thing. <laughs> <laughs> and together we find really cool stuff. It's all about discovery and also it's all about uh, a sense of community because that one thing you like, um, if by sharing it, you discover there's other people out there that like the same thing as you, and you can mm -hmm. start a conversation. Um, so it's it's amazing. I mean, sometimes I want to see, you know, I run I, I run out of stuff, sci-fi stuff to watch. 
Um, I go to the hashtag you and do? I find other stuff. That's bullshit. Well, you know, I, I keep on adding to my list, you know. Babylon <clears throat> 5. Um, so, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I, I just want to feature a couple of uh, individuals um, because they're always sharing on the hashtag. Uh, and if you want to be featured as well, uh, you could actually go ahead and, and, and follow and share as much as these individuals that I'm going to mention, uh, they do share, uh, and you could be featured in future episodes. Also, don't forget, we do have a hotline too. So if you want to, um, us to play your message on the show and we can have a discussion on it, you can call our mm -hmm. hotline. Uh, it is uh, 305-563-6334. So, um, I want to mention E. Lee Zimmerman. He's from uh, scifihistory.net. Um, he's always engaged with a hashtag. And he has... And he a great, awesome content on his page. Uh, scifihistory.net. Um, so they, he always publishes his articles, um, or at least a post of his, his article on the hashtag. So I, I strongly recommend you guys uh, go ahead and give it a try. Uh, you can just go into this is sci-fi hashtag and find his post. Um, and you can click from there. It, it takes them straight to that article and you can read them. Um, and I mean, you can text us, uh, you know, you can tweet at us uh, or, or call us at the, hash, at the uh, phone number that I gave uh, the 305-563-6334. Uh, and uh, give us any comments about uh, any anything that you like about his articles, and we can feature oh, yes. in future episodes. Um, another person that I like to um, uh, feature in this segment is uh, the podcast that wouldn't die. Uh, we had had them twice mm -hmm. on season two. Uh, great podcast. I I actually listen to every episode. Um, and they're always engaged on the hashtag as well. They're always posting. On the hashtag and with their audience. and Love that, man. Yeah. It's that touch that gives any entity out there on the internet the feeling of real. Yes, yes. And, and, and my next uh, is, a, is a podcast called Omega Star 7. Um, great podcast. Not sure if you have heard them uh, before. Uh, but if you follow the hashtag, uh, you'll see that they are continually posting their episodes on, on, on the hashtag. You can just click on it and, you know, go straight to listening. Um, I really enjoyed uh, their podcast. I think, uh, you guys, if you never heard before, go ahead, give them a listen, uh, and then come back to us and let us know, you know, did you like it as much as we did? Or, you know, give us your opinion. Let's start a conversation on that. Yep. And the last one uh, is, these. it's it's a it's a first, uh, but I just wanted to feature it because it's an example of what the hashtag this is sci-fi means. Um, James Aloka, it's a writer um, and he just posted a link to um, I believe it was his book on the this is uh, this is sci-fi hashtag. Um, it's called Black Saucer, A Story of Determination. Um, so 
this is a perfect example. This is what I tell in every episode to everyone. That if you are a creator, it doesn't matter what kind of creator. You, you could be a movie producer, a movie creator, a podcast, music, if it's sci-fi related. Uh, authors, like uh, this one, uh, like James here. Uh, and you post because that's how we're going to discover each other. And, oh. and that's how we can engage in conversation. So, and with that said, anything else you want to add, uh, our dear, dear Captain Chaos? I always tell our listeners who always, whenever you feel like finding something interesting that you love about sci-fi, just type, this is sci-fi hashtag on Twitter. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. And you get accompanied that by any IP of your preference, it just enriched experience. Yes. Awesome. And um, and, and I feel like I got to mention, uh, if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, we are writing articles on our website. So if you've never been to uh, sciencefictionremnant.com, uh, just go ahead and you can pause us, go there, click on post, and you'll see a collection of articles that I have written uh, for the website. Yep. We're also taking collaborators. So if you're a writer, you'd like to write an article, reach out to us and uh, we can make it happen. Uh, we have uh, Melvin Cartagena uh, as our first contributor. Uh, you'll find his article there as well. And <clears throat> stay tuned because our very own Captain Chaos will be publishing his story. I mean, yeah, he's he got me into it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Uh, it's not going to be as chaotic, uh, cha uh, chaotic right? <laughs> and if you like deep conversations about ex existential topics within sci fi and the IPs that we cover, mm -hmm. and you don't find like, and you find that chaotic, yeah, it won't be. Awesome. <laughs> Just stay, uh, stay tuned because it's coming. Um, okay, so with that being said, here goes the next segment. Shout out. And for this segment, first and foremost, want to let everybody know that we're part of the Blind Knowledge Podcast Network. Go and check them out. They're on all social medias. Uh, they're super awesome. They're actually sharing our content too on their page, so you can also find us through them. But they also have a great variety of content creators. So... It doesn't matter what you like, not necessarily have to be sci-fi. You might find that they're video game content creators, uh, all kind of topics. So go and check them out. You can find them in all social medias. You can go to blindknowledgepodcastnetwork.com or blindknowledge.com, if I'm not mistaken, uh, and find it through there and find all the great variety of content that you may enjoy. Uh, and with that, let's start with uh, one of our first uh, he's a big supporter of us. We love always being his daughter, having her in ours. It's Cinema Rico. Awesome. awesome and podcast. the hashtag it Cinema underscore Rico. Go and check them out. They're fantastic. We, I love listening to them all the time. The Baron, man. Yeah. And, and, and the next one in yeah. your list brings the, the rage to podcasting. I love it. Actually, I love the, the, the he, we were having a conversation with him about the circles. And 
it, like the pose that he made was a gift of Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> uh, it kind of reflects all the sentiment of film. <laughs> oh man it was funny I was, like chatting with him and interacting um, a dear supporter of us from Ground Zero almost has always been there Kelly sends your gi yes uh, go and check her out she's fantastic and her, her tag on Twitter is Antipodal uh, this one is close to your heart and your wife, Robert. Yeah. Admiral Funnest Frontier. Lower decks, lower decks, lower decks, lower decks, lower decks. Lower decks, lower decks. <laughs> Hilarious, man. He's fun as hell, man. Love, love always chatting with him. Uh, another one for you and your wife, Robert. <laughs> He's got Star Trek podcast. Awesome podcast. <laughs> And their tag is it's got Star Trek. Go and check them out. Pause now because we're lengthy and we'll be here when you come back. Yeah. But it's got Star Trek. Go and check them out. And we already said the gist of it, but I wanted to give this special occasion the opportunity to shout them out to Max Tag Jirai, Optimistic Aussie is his tag. We love you, man. Yeah. Always in our heart. Our very own mad scientist. So just get well, man. And yeah, man, it will, man. And that'll be all for today's shout outs. Awesome. Okay. So we're going to go into the next segment. The outer remnant. Okay. So I'm going to ask this question. I'm going to ask this question, right? Because I always ask this question. Where have you been, Captain Chaos? And the answer is between furries and cosplayers. (laughs) Oh, and that's not the answer I was hoping for, but... (laughs) (laughs) Quite accurate, though. (laughs) We're really excited because, I mean, if you you guys are are, are listening to the podcast uh, uh, for the first time and don't follow our social media, you might not be aware. But if you do, you are very familiar with uh, the fact that we listen to you. Um, we, Captain Chaos have not been in a con ever. And we always kind of joke around, you know, the fact that he's never been. And it it just occurred to me that we, as a podcast, has never been in a, have never actually done an episode on a con. So what better con to make it not only this show's first con, but also Captain Chaos' first con. Then Southwest Florida 2023 SpaceCon. Oh, did I say that backwards? 2023 Southwest Florida SpaceCon. Uh, it's a con about sci fi. Yep. When they sent me the email, I was just like, where have you been in my life? I mean, I've been to other cons before, uh, and I'm sure this con has been around for a while. Um, but I'm like, take my money, like right now. <laughs> I want to be there, and um, we are. Uh, uh, we we went over there. We recorded an episode. Um, it is still being cut, so we had uh, actually posted the uh, promo trailer, so you guys get an idea of what you know um, what it's going to be like. Uh, and we got to thank 
our uh, our, our friend and invisible member of the podcast, Miguel Ang, uh, the Migs, for creating uh, not only recording. You know, he 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 was following around. He's a music producer too. He's a music producer. He was following around with a camera, um, and he's also uh, cutting the video. So Doing an stellar job, man. It is freaking amazing, and we thank you for that. So that is the invisible host that you don't normally see in every episode. Uh, he has been in our episodes uh, multiple times, but mm -hmm. um, so he's always there's always a, a link in every episode of season two. So if you go to our show description, you'll find his link. Uh, but you know, without giving them away, uh, giving the episode away, because they'll, they'll get an idea what you know what we how much fun we had. Um, yeah. Can you give them like some idea what, you know, what, what your impressions were and, you know, now that this experience is behind you? Uh, I mean, this one is behind me, but there's a lot more now. I, have. I look so, I looking so much forward to new comic Cons, man. Uh, and I mean, it's one of the most fun things that you can do. Honestly, to me, it was one of the best things I had going on for my. Awesome. Yeah, and was... I mean, go and check out our promo video, guys. Tell us what you think about it. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Oh, we have so much fun. I can't wait to do another one. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I do have to shout out uh, to uh, Ro from uh, the uh, Scarif podcast. Yes. Uh, because, you know, I always been to... Um, cons locally uh, but i never have taken you guys with us to a con so basically yep. i never really done an episode on a con and i reached out to the only other person that i know i mean there's other persons uh, other people that i know that have done but i reached out to ro and he had great advice so thank you so much um <clears throat> and we, we had we had a lot of fun so, um, are, you, are we ready for this episode? I think so, perro. <laughs> oh, man. This, uh, this is a very short, short episode. Nonetheless, who won't speak? Who won't speak Charlie about it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, that's always our, our, our story. <laughs> Uh, but before we continue, and in honor of of uh, <clears throat> our very own mad scientist, how about we do the plot? Yeah, do we have a plot? <laughs> we have a plot. We do. Um, you want me to go ahead and um, read it? I'll let you do it. That way I don't stutter all over it. That's okay. That's good. I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. Now, just have in mind that uh, as every other uh, movie from Dust that we have done before, uh, not only are they very new, but they're very short. So the plot, and, and, and you know, this is true for any past episodes that you have here talk about, you know, Dust movies. Um, if you're not familiar with Dust, you should go into YouTube and find Dust. They have a huge huge collection of sci-fi short films 
Um, and, and I really get excited when I do a film from dust because and not necessarily from dust, right? It could be anywhere, but the whole idea is they're indie, um, creators and I want to do whatever I can to support indie creators just like, like us. So what I was trying to say is that with any, not only sh like new stuff, but also short stuff, it's very hard to find a plot. So in many of those, I had to actually write the plot myself. So this is going to be my attempt uh, as other previous episodes as, as doing the plot. Um, so let's see how, you know, it's, it's accurate enough. We, we kind of like, <laughs> uh, we had to like, uh, play the movie and pause, play the movie and pause until I write it. So, so here's the plot. In the film El Camino, directed by Fernando Campos, the story revolves around a father, Rojo, and his daughter named Robin, um, who had re just returned to a spaceport after completing a cargo delivery. The father had promised Robin some quality time together, but he received another cargo request that promised a substantial payment. Upon docking, he is greeted by a robot unit JX4224 and a single box containing the cargo. The father, uh, Rojo, is intrigued and um, after attempting to touch the box, the, the, the actual you know, container box, um, JX4224 sternly informs him that he is not allowed to touch it. Only, only uh, JX4224 is allowed to touch the container. And when I say containers, it's a, like the box is, what is it? Uh, maybe. It's like a fridge. So it, it's like a. Maybe like five, a five by five, five, no, six, no, five foot by five foot. Or is it? Yeah, it's really like a standard transportation pallet, but it's like a crate. Yeah, it's 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 not your 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 container like the huge you have a you know. Yeah. So the returning to the cockpit, Robin expresses her annoyance that the cargo was delivered by arm robot. With uh, Huh? Yeah. No buy, but with this robot has to go with the cargo. Yeah, the the, the yeah, and is is he has a mean weapon with him. Uh, Rojo seems visibly unsettled through the dot he assures Robin that he is fine. He warns her not to go to the back of the ship, to which she sarcastically responds that she has no intention of greeting that robot. Shortly after embarking on the shipment uh, trip, something malfunctions within the ship's systems, resulting in the robot getting trapped in a hallway by an airlock. Um, the ship's navigation fails, the system breaks down, and Rojo, um, as, as Rojo is affected by something that you'll see in the, on, on the movie, He's actually incapa incapacitated momentarily. Robin takes upon herself to fix the broken uh, system. During her repair work, Robin sends something amiss and follows her intuition 
to the cargo box that they are meant to deliver. To her surprise, the robot is no longer guarding it. Robin opens the container box, revealing glowing containers inside. As she reaches for one of the glowing containers, um, looks like little tiny rocky Perhaps. boxes, um, revealing glo a glowing container inside. As she reaches for one of the these, you know, square boxes looking things, they, an alien entity emerges from that uh, box and takes control of her, entering through the back of her neck. Meanwhile, her father awakens and notices the system failure, the trap robot, and obviously he's calling out for his daughter and she's not there. Concerned, he, rush he rushes to the cargo area to investigate. Upon arriving, Rojo discovers that his daughter, Robin, is possessed by an alien entity. Um, a, and she attacks him. The robot, having escaped from the hallway airlock, arrives in time to prevent Robin from harming Rojo, her father, and attempts to terminate her. However, her father intervenes and prevents JX4224 from killing her. The robot, the, the, the robot then convinces the father to initiate the emergency procedures. As the father follows the instruction, JX4224 locks him out of the cargo area into his, you know, the main ship area. So he's, yeah. he's basically there in the container and he's in the, in, in the, in the ship area. Then the uh, JX4224 detaches the container from the ship initiates a self-destruction sequence and sacrifices himself along with Robin. Uh, the film concludes with the cargo area in, uh, after the explosion, you know, uh, re-entering the atmosphere and burning up, while the father, uh, he's actually mentioning his maydays through the radio and telling his location and credits. So, the first thing, and, and I'm going to go back to our initial question and the question that we always ask in every episode, you know, your first, you know, how, how old were you? First thoughts. Your first thought and, and what was your first impression? Um, I, I was um, a couple of days old when I watched this movie. Um, although I have been following Dust, if you follow Dust, you know, they have so much content. Yeah, you yes. can, there, there's no way you can watch it all. True. And this is one of the great things that I see so far from Dust. I mean, I don't know too much about Dust as a company, uh, but the fact that they are giving out a medium for indie uh, creators. There's to... no scarcity of content. Exactly. That's something I love about them. Exactly. Um, and not only that, I love the fact there's not much compromise of watching a new movie. Because it's, I've never seen something over 15 minutes. You still get the you, the juice. You get good content. And you don't have to be like, oh, it's a movie. I had to spend an hour. No, you're done. You can watch this in between breaks if you want. And you should be able to finish it in one break. 
it's it, it's the best, man. It's so crazy. It's a great idea. It's so crazy. You could actually pause us, go watch it, and come back, and you will not miss a bit. Yep. It's just, it's incredible. That's how good it is. So not only that, you know, uh, and I, I alluded to this at the beginning of the show when I said this was the very first Spanish-speaking sci-fi film I've ever seen. It has subtitles, right? Um, also, the quality in the sci-fi, the, 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 the special effects. CGI's and everything. It's the incredible. Great. It's incredible. Because, and you know, we started talking about this in our episode on spe uh, Space Sweepers. Uh, if you guys have not yes. seen that episode, um, go ahead and go back to our uh, back catalog um, and download it. We had a lot of fun, that film was really yeah. still in Netflix. But uh, that's the first time that we started talking and how there's some creators out there. And, and you know, the, the Space Sweeper creators, we're talking about that these creators are, you know, they're, they're, they're on the professional side. They're, well, let me repeat that, not professional side. What I meant was they're, uh, they're, they're not indie, right? And if you're familiar with special effects in Hollywood, uh, we're talking about, you know, million. Uh, what what is your typical? Isn't it like three hundred million dollars for? Yep. That's what we calculated when we were watching Space Sweepers, and we checked on the friends on CGI. Two hundred million dollars, I think. Um. Let me, let me look at something real quick because, um. It's it's crazy, right? Um, visual effects in in movies, you're typically looking at three hundred million dollars. In a space sweepers, and let, let me I'm gonna look at that real quick. So, so you will see what um. The, the 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 cost comparison is is crazy, okay? It, it's twenty one million dollars. So you're going for around, and again, I'm I'm giving a general general um, idea three hundred million dollars, um, <clears throat> and space sweepers is twenty one million dollars. So the quality of space sweepers is the same quality that you expect from a Hollywood huge production that would be like 300,000, you know, 300 quality. million dollars. Same quality. The quality that we see on the film that we watch today is on par to Space Sweepers. And I invite you guys out there to, I mean, you, you can, like you said, we said before, you can pause us and go watch. It's only 13 minutes long. I actually put in a link to the, uh, the to the film in the description, uh, and then let us know what you think. <coughs> That's one of the things that really shocked me about this, you know, the the film, and and the story, the actors. Although it's, I don't know, and I'll ask you, uh, Gio, when when it comes to your time, because I'm actually just telling my my first uh, my my first thoughts. Um, it, feel, it felt odd to me 
only because I'm I'm listening to Spanish and reading in English. I know why. Go ahead. Because you haven't played Cyberpunk. In a while. <laughs> yeah, in a while. That's if you play Cyberpunk, it's been you a while. see this, you feel at home. Because yeah, I mean, but when you play Cyberpunk. Yeah. Hey, Jonah, we're we're recording, bro. Oh, nice. We're talking about a short movie called uh, El Camino in Dusk. El Camino in Dusk, what's that? Uh, Dusk is a filmmaking company uh, that makes short movies with kick-ass CGI's. Oh, okay. That's cool. So, Gio, your first impression. How old I mean, were you when you watched this Yeah, I don't know shit about movies, bro. I stopped watching movies long ago. You should, man. That's what we're just saying about this uh, studio, that the cool thing about them is movies are no longer than 50, movies, 50 minutes. So it's like you have a full movie, just shrink out to 15 minutes, and everything else is left out to whatever you want to make out of it. I mean, you mean the core of a movie, like the important part is like 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like no, that. No, this yeah. is a whole movie. It's a whole movie. And, and 13 yeah, minutes. Shit. Yes. It's a new concept of movies. So just so off. you just so you know, oh yeah, I seen shit like that. Just so you know, you're um, being recorded. What's the name? Um, and I know you have watched it. It's the one in Netflix. Space Sweepers. Uh, uh, Space Sweepers. No, 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 no. Oh, Love, Death, and Robots. Yeah, that's it's the like one. that. It's like that. That is a whole new shit. Yeah, a whole theme, bro. And it's just one movie. Yep, basically, it's like that. And if you like that, you should check out on Netflix too. Oats Studios, because they do the same thing. They do shorts that are just like love deaths and robots. Okay, Gio. Uh, before we continue, go ahead and tell our audience um, who our guest is, and let them know that he is actually part of our show. Uh, he uh, is going to be aired with uh, this episode. Oh yeah. Are you hearing? Are you hearing Robert by any chance? John? He, he is muted right now. And I don't think that... he's muted right now. So go ahead and tell our audience first, and then I can bring him over. Uh, okay. So so basically, Jonah is actually my cousin, but one of my best friends too. Awesome. Uh, we always play games online. And always talking about things like this too. Awesome. We share a lot of common likes. So uh, make sure he knows that we are going to bring him over now and he's going to be live on our show. Uh, I think that he can hear you, Robert. Well, I, hear you. I don't think he was able to hear me because I was trying to talk to him. So I'm going to bring him over and you can tell him. So he's hearing you, Robert, but he's hearing you double. Okay. So yeah, you're you're back live on Science Fiction Remnant. Thank you for coming. Cool, cool, cool. Hey, how's it going? Great, great. Good, man. Good. Okay, so <clears throat> before we continue, Gio, can you tell me how old were you, and what was your first thoughts on this movie? We watched this movie the same day, man. Well, um, you, you told me you saw it previously. I mean, El Camino. Yeah. No, I sent you several movies for the Camino yesterday to me. Okay. So, you know, the movie was, it's new. 
to begin with. So, you know, there's, yes. <laughs> there's not much back that we can go. Um, but what was your first imp impression on this film? I mean, everything that Dusk Studios are coming up with, I am in love with. I haven't found, like, the first movie that I've watched. I'm like, eh. I yeah. like everything they're coming up with. And the fact that there's no compromise on watching something so short that is a full-length product, I think is a fantastic concept. Awesome. Awesome. Um, <clears throat> and I would ask, and, and I don't even know what is his name. I would ask him, but... Jonah. Jonah. But uh, he yeah. hasn't seen the film, so... Oh, no, not, not at all. Okay. Okay, so can we go into the next um, what? Segment. No, not, not segment. <laughs> <laughs> We're not, it, it's not going to be over that soon. Uh, what were your first thoughts, <laughs> Well, I already went through that. So can you tell me, Gio, what was the, the thing the one thing that, that comes to mind when uh, you watch this film for the first time. I mean, I already said how, and, and this is actually, I'm curious about this because for me, it's, it's weird to hear it in Spanish and have the English subtitles. Um, yeah. it, to me, is the very first sci-fi film that I watch in Spanish, which is really, really uh, a novelty for me. And on top of that, it's great special effects. So what was that one thing for you? I mean, I don't know if you, have you ever seen a sci-fi film in, in Spanish before? And if so, you know, how is this, what was your experience? And what was that one thing on this film that really brought your attention? When I watched this, like I was telling you, it brought a lot of experiences with cyberpunk and the way that people communicate it. Mm -hmm. Because it's like that when you're walking in a city, people can be talking in Creole, Spanish. Uh, Japanese and the translations come through, and then it starts translating automatically. Speech too. Yeah, but so in I film, at home with that. But not only that, watching the film, it brought me a lot of memories from watching The Expanse. Yes, because that's kind of like the environment, the space interaction between the humans going throughout the system and expanding their horizons, like in economy and everything else, civilization. That is that is really true. When I watched this film, I got at Spence vibes from this film. And funnily enough, space truckers. Sp <laughs> yes, space truckers. <laughs> uh, it's it's definitely a different take of what a a truck in space would look like. A way more serious serious take. Yes, yeah, because the space <laughs> truckers. Uh, <laughs> it was it was just fun. It was fun to watch. Yeah. Oh, I never heard about that one. Space Truckers? That movie, bro, I recommend it to you, man. It's just, oh, yeah. but I, I warn you, it's just funny. <laughs> just, yeah. just send it, just send it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, we, we recorded. And, and again, if you are listening to this episode for the first time, uh, go back to our back catalog, download Space Truckers, and then get back to us and let us know what you think about, you know, what our that. thoughts are. Space Truckers, Jonah, is one of those movies like independent directors. It's not a Hollywood movie. Right, Robert? Yeah, it's it's um it's it's very very campy. <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> which I was really surprised that you liked because you typically don't like camping. It has but... a pulsar dick, bro. Of course I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that cyborg guy has a penis. I had to turn it on like a freaking old motor, like a lawnmower. Oh my god! It's yeah. It's it's. Just... And the funny thing is, they didn't want to turn on the navigator. <laughs> yeah. So he had some some no. Uh, what was that? Erectile dysfunction in a cyborg dysfunction. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. So, like, let me ask you this question because I know I've seen uh, games like this, like the one you mentioned. Oh yeah. Obviously, cyberpunk. It's a game. But if very, 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 well, waited for me. Stellaris, I think is the name. Now, Stellaris or Stellis, Stellar. It's like a one player open world. It has more, it's like kind of like No Man's Sky, but you are like a space pirate. You get to like do your own story. It's like a Skyrim in space. It's badass, man. Nice. It's going to be cross platform and everything. So, Gio, going back to my question, um, let's take away the, the games from the equation for this question. Let's just forget games for a minute. Have you seen a sci-fi movie in Spanish? No, not really. I will. I watch Film Horizon, VR. When I, when no, no, but now. I mean filmed in Spanish. No. No. It's too difficult. And that is what I like about this. It's very unique and very refreshing. Hell yeah. Because it's filmed in Spanish. Mm-hmm. I mean, that... the pasa, perro? <laughs> yeah, that, I was just going to say, you're reading my mind. The beginning of the film is so hilarious. It, you know, it starts, you know, like, it starts normal. It, okay, they're speaking in English, and then they switch over to Spanish. Yep. Que pasa, perro? <laughs> I love that man. It Pero brings el, you home. El Camino. That's the name of it. Yes. Yeah, and thus D U S T is the name of the channel on YouTube the studios that make all those show movies. Awesome. So, uh, what? I guess we we kind of skipped the question that uh, I wanted to ask uh, from you is. And again, <laughs> we spoke. I never about, watched a Spanish movie like that. Yeah, fact. we we have we watched this multiple times, and we have conversations on the watch party and um, the multiple times that we watched this. Um, is is what is your impression? I mean, is there a scene? And again, the reason why I said we spoke about this before is because it is a it is a short film. There, yep. it, whatever happens happens within those 13 minutes. Um, and that's about it. And that's about it. So is there a particular scene that really called your attention on this film when you watched it? I, one, one thing that we spoke about that I like about the, the cyborg is yes. how human it is. Yes. And they refer to it as a robot. Well, but it does not behave like a robot fully. JX4224, um, it was, it's actually... Even when they mentioned him, is a robot. Mm -hmm. So, like you know, what when Robin said, you know, I'm not going to meet that stupid robot. Uh, oh, it's a, 
how did he call I him? Have, Pinche. I have a comment about that. It felt more like a social uh, segregation that they would pronounce. So they they don't they don't treat the Robert as an equal. Exactly. Even though it could be, or it is. So that and you know what that is a very in interesting concept because throughout the entire movie granted 13 minutes um <laughs> it's that seems to be some sort of um racism towards yeah robots um genocism yeah it's <laughs> oh my god it's interesting but you know one thing that we were talking about that I want to bring up to discussion is the fact that although this was being uh, mentioned as a robot, um, there's a couple of scenes that we see, and I want to get your opinion on that, uh, where, you know, there's one scene where he's smoking, and yep. there's another scene where he is pacing back and forth as if he is bored. Now, in my opinion, by watching this, I would want to say that this is not a robot, but a cyborg. Because there, you know, robot, number one, robot doesn't need to smoke. No. Number two, a robot would, would be completely still throughout the entire trip and not move a muscle. And, and this robot seemed to be pacing, seemed to be like, bored seems to be like okay there's nothing to do he's like going back and forth moving his arm moving his leg going to smoke um it's like the robot is actively conscious you know it's not like it's on standby waiting for requirement of action you might call it something yeah yeah and that's what makes it so human i think I mean, the interesting thing is that the fact that it was not mentioned, right? That they don't, no. they don't imply anything. Obviously, this is a 13-minute movie, so if you wanted to imply, <laughs> I don't know how you would imply it. But I, I think that's the beauty of these short movies, that all these is left to the audience to make out what they will out of it. it and I, yeah, and I was just about to say that. It's, it's really cool. How, because, you know, there's just like Ray in our episode, if you haven't listened to our FDL episode, go ahead and download our previous episode and, and listen to it. But just like Ray, Ray mentioned on that episode, we had the actual director of that film with us talking about the film. And, and there, yep. there is a wrong way to do this. And it's very easy to do it the wrong way. Yes. Um, it takes serious skills to me, able to make a 13-minute film and keep it on track and keep it lean enough that is, uh, it enables you to see, to tell the entire story, yet not rumble around in some of the topics. This, if you want to get technical about it, it's the importance of proper foreshadowing and storytelling. When you do proper foreshadowing and storytelling, you don't have to say what's going on to let the audience understand to perfection without having to say word to all my word, you know? Yeah. And I think that Dusk Studio does a great job because in all the short stories that I've watched of them, foreshadowing is so well done that you don't, you're not left with questions of what's going on in the show or the movie, you it, know? 
it's a good thing you mentioned that. I really love the way they foreshadow in this film. It's mm -hmm. I think it helps in storytelling and it helps in moving the story around. Yeah. And it makes it easier for the audience. You don't have to be a sci-fi junkie to really enjoy this or understand it. That's the importance of it. And, and one question that I want to ask and see your opinion, because, I mean, my thought is, and, and I want to see what your thought is. My thought is, for those out there who say, I'm not going to watch something that I'm going to have to read, right? I understand it. I do understand it. I do watch Korea sh Korean shows, and I understand your point. Sometimes there's so much going on on the screen, or they may be speaking way too fast. And by mm -hmm. the time you go and read the bottom, you already missed the scene. Yeah. However, not only is this film short, you know, 13-minute long movie, but... That's another thing that I applaud about this film is the fact that everything is moving around slowly, but enough that it doesn't take more of the film. Yeah. So when you actually read the bottom, you still do not miss the scene and no one speaks fast. Do you agree with that? I agree with it. That's the importance of being concise and concrete when you're trying to convey a message, regardless of the medium. And they did this masterfully in the movie. And, and, and out there, if you're listening to that this episode on, uh, on our pods, um, I invite you to listen, to go watch it, especially if, you, if you're one of those that, which, believe me, I understand. Like I said, I watch Korean shows, and I, knew, I know exactly what you're talking about. But if, you, if you're one of those that don't want to even give it a chance, because it's subtitles and you don't want to go through a subtitle thing. Let's do a test, right? This is, I wouldn't ask this of you if it was an hour, a one hour film or a two hour film. This is a 30 minute film. Let's, let's do a yeah. little test. Go ahead and, and pause us. Go and uh, watch that movie on YouTube. And then reach out to me or, or Geo, our Captain Chaos. And let us know what, you, what your thoughts are. If you agree that it is enjoyable enough, even if you have to read the subtitles or if your experience was completely uh, different. Uh, we really, really want to know that question. Always. You know what? I'm going to watch that right now. Yeah, man. Tell us what you think about it. Yeah, and it's... Just, uh, exactly. and, and, you know, and, and like I said, it, this is a great thing about this film. You could actually pause us you can go watch this film and come back and you will not miss anything. It is so oh, really? short. So short. Let me do that. You might find a lot of other interesting things in that channel, man. Oh, yeah. It's fun. <laughs> oh, yes. And it's free. Yeah. That's the best thing about Dust. It's free. Yep. So. Now, tell me, Robert. Does this movie left you wanting more of it? It certainly did to me. Well, I'm going to tell you the exact same thing that I told you when we filmed the film, when we did the episode on the film FTL. And I think it's the fault. And I'm saying this word because I can't find a better word. It is, it's the fault of the time constraint. And I don't even know if it is a time constraint, right? 
it seems like it might be because every film <laughs> that we have seen so far in Dust is around 15 minutes long, right? But I'm not, yep. I'm not sure if this is a true fact or not. So don't, don't quote me on that. The, the, the film is complete. It's a full story. But it almost feels as if it's a complete story in the perception of a TV show. Does that make yep. sense? So by the time you, you know, if you're watching a TV show, for example, and you finish in some, some, in, in some shows, obviously, so, so other shows are, are just not episodic. This has a hint of episodic. So, and, it, and, it, and you know, FDL was the same thing. At the end, you're it, it ends. It ends in an open note, right? Exactly. Which is not necessarily bad. No, no, no. Because the whole film, since you press play from the beginning, is doing this to you. It's yeah. making you decide. It's, it's making you... It's giving you the information for you to make your own decisions. And it does it, it, this... In a good way, it creates more questions than give you answer. Yes. It's a tease. Well... I think the film and 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 again I'm I'm kind of grouping this with FDL. I'm not as well. saying it's an unfinished product though. No, no, no. It's not it's definitely not. Um I I think what this film is doing, and I'm grouping this with FDL, and I don't know if I should, but it's you know, they're both small film, there's they're both you know, self-contained. Um I, I think is there are creating an avenue for sci-fi conversation. Yes. Which is and I think I'm not sure if they did this purposely on this, but I think it's a great tactic to create a halters for more on the universes that they create on these short movies, which could be opportunities for new movies to come. Yeah. I, I mean and let me tell you why I appreciate this, right? This is something that I try to do on this show. And, and I'm sure, Gio, you're, you're familiar with this. And, and, and the fact that we have our third host, uh, our math scientist, Ray, is due to this fact. Um, I always, and, and, and now more so in season two, give you a little bit of nugget of science. Not only because I love science, I am not a scientist but I read a lot of scientific journals. Um, but my thing is, if I can give you a little nugget, right? Ten piece, please. It's... <laughs> a little, if, I, if I can give you a little <laughs> nugget of, of information and get you thinking about anything in science, I am the happiest person alive. And I have been doing, well, try to do that in season one, where after we brought in uh, Ray, and I believe Ray came on board because of that fact, yeah. um, we decided to incorporate it fully into nah, our he segment. came because he couldn't stand me talking shit and <laughs> bad facts about science. Exactly. So, <laughs> so why I'm mentioning this is that this films, they're an avenue to facilitate conversation. Yes. Because they're short, 
they give you, they're self-contained, they give you everything you need. And then after that, they have that open question or multiple open questions that will make you think. Yeah. And now that you mentioned that, I think it's important to say for everybody to understand that because a finished product is not what you might want it to be, doesn't mean that it's not what it's meant to be from beginning to end. Sometimes we like something and we want more of it, but we cannot attack the integrity of a product because of our desires or wants. And I think that that's the beauty of accepting things as they are and enjoying them and not letting that blur or get in the middle that enjoyment. Yeah. You know? Now, one thing that I would have to say about, and I don't know if this is intentionally or not, so don't quote me on that, um, about dust and the content that they provide. You know, number one, they're, they're, they're creating a, an avenue for, for indie creators. Yes, right? <clears throat> which I think is noble, great work. The fact that most of these creators, and notice how I said most, right? Because you're still, yeah. you can still find some that are not, you know, up to par, but they're still fun, is that there are at least the ones that I have watched up to now has opened or facilitate an avenue for us as fans to start the sci-fi conversation. And, and let me explain why this is important. And, and, and I actually have mentioned this in previous episodes. Sci-fi, and the reason why I like sci-fi, as you heard me before, is a, is a thought experiment. Um, I right. think that sci-fi, up to this point, and, and do correct me if I am wrong, but I think sci-fi is the reason why we have reached the level in civilization that we have reached today and why we'll continue to grow as a civilization. That's an accurate statement. If you look through all the years, what sci-fi was and what real science has become, it, it keeps it, on happening. Yeah. You say a, a phrase that I like very much, that is that science uh, is human technology trying to imitate art. Yeah. You say it like that? Well, it goes a little bit beyond that. And this is a, the other thing that I was going to say that's going to go right into answering that question. In my opinion, um, sci-fi uh, sci or science fiction, it's, you know, the, the, the reason why I said it's a thought experiment is a yeah. way for us, just like physicists, they think a problem, they come up with, mathematical equations to test that you know test that theory and then publish their their, their their journals and have older scientists test their theories yep is 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 in the same is up to par to that in the sense that scientific science science fiction writers have a an issue a problem a technology it, it, it ranges very widely, right? Mm -hmm. and, and science fiction is the way that they can put that thing to the test and see how it would change us as a civilization. Yes. 
So one of the first examples that I have every time I talk to this, to a friend, is if you actually go and listen to our season one episode on Gataka, right? The science fiction writer had the idea at the time of DNA manipulation. Mm-hmm. And they had the, the perfect human. Exactly. And they had the idea, how would this work into our society? How would, you know, how the average person behave? How would the corporations behave? How would that change society? How would that change humans? And the product was the film Gataka mm-hmm. that actually was helpful in creating laws, worldwide laws that prevented this from happening in the first place. Yeah. So they're telltale cautionary tales. Exactly. We have films like uh, 2001 Odyssey that showed you um a an iPad. Yeah. Um and it shows you how much Dave can do. Exactly. I'm if sorry. you if you watch yeah <laughs> and sorry I cannot Dave, do that I cannot do that um, <laughs> so you know I those are th- those are very common examples but the reason why I'm using them is because they are common examples to show my point yeah. the fact that science <laughs> fiction is a thought experiment and you can use science fiction to test those theories and see how would society and how civilization would change with those yeah. technologies. Don't go further, because when we watch Interstellar, you can see the other side of how helpful and how safe can AI make things. Because when you look at Interstellar and you see the AI, he's the reason why mostly in every mission, somebody did survive. Yeah. So they can be great aid and they could be a reason for us to keep on going to that will help us stay alive. Yeah. So there's always two sides of the equations, and that's the important thing of not losing sight of the whole picture in but the way. I think you touch on a really good point because just as that is a fact where you have a topic and a sci-fi writer might write a book or create a movie that showed you the negative aspects of that thing, and you have another sci-fi writer create a book or a movie that shows you the opposite side of that one thing. The war of the world. <laughs> exactly. That one was dramatic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Madison, love you. Yeah, um, so this is the reason why I'm mentioning this is because that is why science works, right? So. Yeah. If you're not familiar, if you, especially if you're listening to the show for the first time, uh, a scientist has an idea and he writes, you know, he, he has an idea, he has a theory, he does an experiment to test his theory, he writes down, his, his, he, the scientist writes the findings down, um, the analysis, and the conclusion, and then publishes that as a scientific journal. Now, other scientists, pick up that journal, they read it, and you might have one scientist says, no, this is, this is bullcrap. So then they grab that, they do their own scientific experiment, they write the, the results, they write the conclusion, 
and they write their own scientific paper based mm -hmm. on that one thing that the other uh, scientists wrote the paper on. And you have other, right, other scientists that go, oh, you know, I see how this could be possible. So they do the same thing. They go and do their experiment. They write the, 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 the experiment down, the conclusions, and then publish that paper. And so on. And you can have 100, 200, 300, 1,000 papers written on that same topic. And all they're doing is trying to disprove each other. That's how science works. That's mm -hmm. how, if you can get a lot of people with very skeptic minds, you know, you question everything and you write a paper and you end up with, a, 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 let's say, for example, a dramatic, a dramatic, a dramatic number, which uh, let's say 90% of the scientists that wrote a scientific paper on that one thing agree that it, that one thing is possible then that is a win for science because now they can move on to actually trying to create that one thing or, or moving yeah. on, what's the next topic? So that is exactly how I see science fiction. You and, have... And, and I, I wanted to interject there mm -hmm. and that thought that you were having because there's a, a very critical part of that process is that sci-fi sci is like that theoretical process before we go into the practical application of it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Once you reach that practical application, even if you try to disprove it, if you have the practical proof that it works, you will only looking for alternatives to get the same result throughout other uh, forms of equation of work, but it will not disprove something that has been properly working in its practical application, if you think about it. Well, you know, sometimes, Sometimes you find, uh, I mean, I'm just giving you an example. I mean, sometimes you find where, let's say, 80 or 90% of the articles written on that one thing prove that this thing doesn't work, right? Mm -hmm. But I want to add also that it, it could also help in improving a yes. theory. Because if you look at, for example, Mike, uh, Michael, uh, Miguel Alcubierre, when he, he wrote his paper on warp drive and, and, and the possibility of warp travel, um, he... Okay, I, he, I found this oh on the web God, for a theory. Because if you look at, for example, my Michael Miguel Alcobiri, when he, he wrote his... Oh, my God. That is classic. You hear it here first. Siri wanted to be on our show. So, sorry, Siri. I'm so sorry. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so sorry, Siri. You can't be on a show yet. That was golden. That is that is classic. So when when Michael Cavieri wrote his his theory about warp travel, he in his paper, and you can actually Google this, it's really, really interesting. One of the one of the interesting reads that, that I have found is the fact that the the energy needed for warp travel at the time that he wrote his article was the entire universe. Yes. And it's been jotted down to Jupiter's, right? It, it, well, let, 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 me, let me move into that. So it, it, it seems impossible, right? It is, it's, it's proven mathematically. But if you, you know, for, for, for a normal person like me and you that listen to this. I'm not normal. 
you, you, you like this is impossible. How you know that? Yeah. Might as well just say it cannot be done, right? I mean, the whole concept that you can travel at impossible speeds without moving, or be, must be unconceivable for the common folk out there. Exactly. So, like, and just to have it in perspective, if you travel, if you try to travel uh, fast through space, and and I'm just going to mention this for those out there who never heard this before and never heard our show before. If you travel the uh, uh, in space, the speed limit is light, light, light speed, and the reason why is because the faster you go the 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 more your mass increases yeah and when you reach the when and when you when you are like at the speed of light you infinite are mass. an infinite mass so it's, you will need a lot of whole picture <laughs> <laughs> so it's impossible to drop so that's the reason yeah. why you know alcubierre was thinking on on, on other theories mm. that would allow us to travel faster uh, than light, and that's what the warp technology is one of the things. So the reason why I'm bringing it up and what our very own Captain Chaos alluded to is the fact that other scientists got a hold of that paper. Some might have tried to disprove it. Some might thought it as an opportunity to do their own experiments. But in the process, they were able to modify the formula proving that it will not take the entire universe as energy, but the size of the solar system. Yeah. <clears throat> and then other people, other scientists, got a hold of that paper, and they're trying to disprove it, were able to change that formula and then prove that, no, it's not going to be the entire universe. It's not going to be the entire solar system. It's going to be... This, this, the power needed is going to be the size of um, Jupiter. Now, it's still impossible, right? We can't use a planet to actually go in and, and, and use it for energy, right? But if you compare the size of the universe all the way down to the size of Jupiter, you could see that science is winning. Yeah, that's the beautiful thing of how human works together, and I like that. <clears throat> is that when we find obstacles or problems that we cannot get past by, we don't let that stop us. We try to find other solutions to it, which proves that there's no one answer for every single question out there, but there are multiple solutions for every single problem you can find in your life. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I actually got on a tangent. <laughs> derailed. <laughs> Dera scientifically derailed this show. Uh, <laughs> going back to the topic of the film, uh, we were talking about the robot and how we feel that... It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. So uh, what I think, and, and let me know what you, your thoughts are, um, you know, just like in the cyberpunk universe, you have a, an individual changing, like maybe you change a finger, maybe you change an arm, maybe you change a leg, and you change enough in your body that you are indistinguishable from a robot. Yet inside, 
you have bi biological components. I think that's what happened here. I think JX4224, it's a cyborg and not a robot like it's been. But then again, I could be wrong because it's not expressed in the film. There's no plot that describes this as being, there's no other. I think the only way that we can get our answers is if we can get the director and writer on the show and we can ask and get them to answer that question. You yeah. might be mysterious and woohoo and not really exactly <laughs> directly that, answering. That's true. But it, here's my other thought too. We are actively working on creating non-human companions for humans. Because mm -hmm. yes. due to the all happenings that we have had to our society in the last couple of decades, we have become less and less social when it comes to physically interacting in a traditional way, right? Yeah. It could be also a fully robotic organism with no human parts that is programmed to behave like a human. That is also a possibility. That's true. That's true. I mean, because we have spoken before that a robot or an android or AI would need human uh, faculties in order to act and have decision making that is not fully done upon logic because that could be also detrimental for the well-being of the common good. Yeah, yeah. So that could be also one scenario for what's happening with this JX242? JX4224. It definitely... Sorry, <laughs> it, it actually like took robot. me off guard, right? It definitely took me off guard when he yeah. started smoking. But it was very, very good... Uh, how can you put it? A good inception. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How they did that. Definitely. Awesome. Um, and, and of course, you know, for, for my weak heart, the ending was not up to par. Uh, we lost Robin and the explosion. Well, actually, I think we lost Robert, uh, Robin when... Robert. Robin, when she got possessed by the alien. Yes. That's when we lost That was her. a question that wasn't answered. Was Robin still there? You know who it remind me? I wanted to comment first on the containment technology for this alien life. Mm -hmm. It seemed to me like some kind of quantum technology. You know that quantum technology have that kind of ancient alien civilization kind of look alike because these little boxes inside they look like artifacts, like like stone metal artifacts with some kind of uh, plasma energy. Yeah. It will, and, it, it would definitely yeah. explain why those things were... I like to think that they were controlling Rojo. Um, remember how he's been affected? It for sure. And he wasn't even, you know... He, he was close, but, it, it, you know, he wasn't touching them. No, but there was something wrong with Rojo at the moment that the cargo got close to him. Because he had these crippling headaches that would get him completely disabilitated to do anything. Yeah. It happened, I think, two or three times throughout the movie. More and, unanswered and the questions. Alien. Actually, you know what it reminded me of? Mm. You remember playing the game StarCraft? A long time ago, but I think I know where you're going with this. It reminds me of the race of the Sergs that yeah. work like a hive type of organism. 
which makes you wonder if these little life forms act on an individual level of there's a mother brain like a hive that control most of them from the core or something like that. However, I think I can say that this is the precursor to StarCraft. The StarCraft? <laughs> I could be. Before they took over Earth. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. Well. Um, I, I guess we can move on to final thoughts. Um, yeah. This film, um, although Rojo lost his daughter, um, I, I mentally creep Leo. No, no. He, <laughs> and, and here's the thing, because you, you, you guys know me, right? Um, it has to have a happy ending at the end. Obviously, this had no happy ending. However, uh, you can kind of twist the perception of what the happy ending should be. Um, number one, we talked about this. Um, I think we both agreed that we lost Robin when the aliens took care to control her. Um, we might not be accurate in this because, again, it's not. I'm not fully sure of that. It's not ex expressed. Yeah. Um, you, we surely don't see any indication that Robin that was there. there. Was you know that Robin was there? Uh, that you know, for all for all we know, that that's not true at all. Um, she could have been there watching everything happening before her eyes, exactly. unable to act upon it. Exactly. Um, we spoke about this on our episode about the host. Yes. Actually, which yes. is very much alike when it comes to the position of a human body by an external life form to be taken as a host. Yeah. So, how I can't... I like this this film is, I guess, I can relate a lot more to Rojo, if that makes any sense being a dad made it a little bit more difficult in the fact that, you know, he lost his daughter. Uh, he was alive at the end. But that being said, the, fin the film was, uh, it was good. Uh, the special effects were amazing. The story was good. The acting was good. Yes. Uh, and it just took me up. It took me off guard that this was the very first uh, Spanish sci-fi film I ever seen. Uh, I I seen Space Sweeper, which was the first Korean film um, sci-fi film that I remember seeing. Um, after no, there's don't a, say that. There's a lot more now. We've watched his cyborg girlfriend. Well, that is Japanese. Oh, was it? You thought, should... Oh, you told me that there was a Korean show of it. Uh, was it? There was a movie and a show after. I got to go back on that. And uh, I still want to want to do an episode on that one, on the Japanese movie. Uh, I think but... that we were working on it and we just didn't. No, I think you don't like romantic movies. That's it. No, but you, <laughs> you put me through, bro. I remember the movie. Okay. It was cool because he talked a lot about also time travel. Yes. So we, we should... We should really cover that. Um, however, this film was was fun to watch. Yes, I enjoyed it. Um, I, I again, I, I want to tell everybody, go and check Dusk the channel. I haven't seen the first scene that I did not like on that channel. 
everything they come up with is not even great. And and the, do let us know if you find something you don't like, so we can watch it and see. Um, because we, you know, we haven't found. I, I like to think that sh there has I send to be you three something that I want to cover. There, there, there has to be out there because the the sheer amount of um movies that they have is incredible. So yes. I I refuse to think that is not one out there that sucks, right? No, if, honestly, across the board, quality, they, lineal is fantastic, man. They they never disappoint. It's fantastic, oh. man. Okay, so before we close on to the next segment, what is your final thought on this film? Like I was saying, everybody should go to dusk. You should go and watch this. I think that it's fantastic. There's no level of compromise on watching anything on their channel. Uh, being able to watch a movie in half of your break, because breaks usually are 30 oh, minutes yes. in the movie. That's that's like 15. Yeah, if you have a 30-minute break, you know, in half of your break, you can be watching this film. Yeah, and I mean, uh, Jonah was mentioning earlier about Love, Death, and Robots, and I mentioned about old studio. That's a bit lengthier. You're talking about almost 20 minutes uh, material when you're watching this. This never goes over the limit of 50 minutes, and it's a complete product. So you get to enjoy something, and you get to see a little bit of so many universes, which I think is fantastic. Yeah. That's something I love about watching always independent filmmaking industry is it's always different to the mainstream things that you see out there. So you get that feel of something new yes. in your life. Awesome. What are your final thoughts, man? Oh, no, I already, I already said you it. You said that twice. You didn't give me your final thoughts. Yeah. Before I ask you, I was, uh, I was talking about my final thoughts. <laughs> So yeah, this this film was fun. Um, you heard from from both of us um, that we haven't really found yet something that we don't like in Dust, and this is one of the ones that we add to our collection of good yep. short films. Um, so I'm I'm really really curious, honestly. If you go and watch it, and then go back to us and let us know what you think. Yep. Awesome. So should we move on to the next uh, segment? Yeah. The science and sci-fi. And on this segment, um, I feel odd because we don't have Ray with us. Um, ah, we're going to destroy this now. <laughs> Bring the chaos. What, what does they say when the cat is not around the... The, the, the mouse is not having parties. There you go. So, yeah, we're going to have a party, Ray. So, get ready. <laughs> So this film is is very very short, but uh, it's you know it's a sci-fi, it's a science fiction film. So it, there's going to be a lot of science involved. That's what makes it a science fiction. Um, one of the first topics that I want to talk about, um, and the science, and this science section, um, and let me know what you think, um, Captain Chaos. Is about the uh, robotics and automation. Yeah. Uh, the presence of a robot unit JX4224 showcases the advancements in robotics and automation technology. Robots can be used in various space-related tasks, such as cargo handling, maintenance, and even assisting astronauts during space missions. 
Um, so we, we're seeing a combination of two technologies here. We have the emergence in the future of AI coupled with um, the advancements in the future of robotics as something that we find in your favorite company, Gio, um, Boston Dynamics. Yeah. So we have here a marriage of Boston Dynamics and, and ChatGPT. That is if you agree that this unit is a robot. I'm still thinking it might be a cybernetic unit. So in that case, you still have robotic and automation. Uh, I still believe that even if you are able in the world of cyberpunk to be able to switch, you know, your, your, change your, your limbs for robotic limbs, I think automation in robotics is necessary. Yeah. Um, your brain, it, it will just assist your brain in normal functions. Right now, when it you has. move your arm and you move your, your fingers, it, it comes second nature because this is something you learned since you were a little baby. Um, so automation and, 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 and robotics is a must when it comes to cybernetic implants, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that that's going to help more with the, with the critical thinking part of it or how we use our brains as computers. Mm -hmm. You may call it something. The other functions that we're talking about is what they call the reptilian part of the brain. Mm -hmm. And basically, it dwells on, on functions that you never do consciously, like pumping your blood through your heart, digesting food, and, and most of the things that we do unconsciously, mechanically, you know? Yeah, I agree. And, and now, yeah. go ahead. I found something very interesting, and I just found it now because I was looking at it and thought of it. Because we were talking about parasitic formalized too, remember? Yes. And is that there's actually a fungi that does this with insects. It's called the cordyceps fungus. Mm. And basically, it takes over ants or insects, controls them, and takes them to place where it will consume it and make the fungi grow out of the body. And whatever touches that fungi will go through the same thing. So wow. it's a fungi that hosts on its prey, doesn't kill it, and control its brain to take it whatever it needs to. Wow. You know, now that you mention that, you know, I know we haven't encountered alien life yet. Um, however, the universe is huge. And we have only seen only a fraction of the universe. So I am one of the strong believers, very strong believers, that there are alien life out there, and we just haven't reached them yet. So with that in mind, if we can find biology on our Earth of a parasitic or host-like entity, it is not far-fetched to believe that there is an alien, much like the one we see on this film, that do Great. the same thing. Yeah. I mean, the possibilities are infinite. You know, they could be more advanced uh, races. Mm -hmm. They could be what we think humans will become when we stop being biological beings and we are fully cybernetic. Yeah. Uh, most of us think that that's the key to interstellar traveling, sending things that won't die or decay with time that could send the 
the past of Ravager's time to make it light years from the galaxy and it's still be intact. Or we can just go over there and mid uh, Venom. Yeah. Just eat <laughs> livers. <laughs> oh. Okay, I'm going to move on. I only have two, two bullet points that I wanted to mention in this film. Uh, the other one that I have is uh, it's more towards the end of this film. And it's after uh, the explosion of the container and how we see it burn up, not only from the explosion, but from re-entry into the planet. Um, it's called atmospheric re-entry. Uh, the scene depicts, uh, you know, mentions that you could actually see the cargo area engulf after the explosion and mm -hmm. how as the pieces are entering the atmosphere uh, upon touching um, the, the, the atmosphere is, is actually burning know, up. Burning up. Um, during re-entry, spacecraft experience extreme heat and uh, pressure due to atmospheric friction, necessitating heat shields and careful design consideration to ensure safe passage to the Earth atmosphere. So now, the best way that I can explain, and I think I we I think I explained this in one of previous episodes. I can't remember which episode was with Ray. Um, there's air in the atmosphere, right? There's air in this planet. Many of us don't really think, but air behaves as a fluid, right? Mm -hmm. So with anything, like right now, I can, I can actually tell you out there, if you are listening to the show, let's do this experiment. You're going to get both of your palms together and rub them together real fast. And you'll notice that your skin will start getting ah, get up. hot. So the same thing happens to anything that enters the atmosphere. So when you travel through space, there's nothing that technically to cause friction. So you can go at tremendous speeds without any, any issue. Mm. So once you hit the atmosphere, it's kind of like hitting water. The best thing that I can imagine is if you jump... Oxygen is highly composed by its compo the components of water. Yeah. So if you jump on a pool, it's the same scenario that I'm painting here. Try to dive. You slap the crap out of your body. <laughs> <laughs> so no funny. this thing is going fast. It enters the atmosphere and every outside portion of that ship or that thing, whatever that might be, it could be a ship, could be a rock, could be whatever, the outside of it, it's rubbing against the atmosphere, rubbing against the air at tremendous speed and heating it up due to friction. And eventually, the heat is so intense because every object has its temperature. Remember, Mass. the temperature is what changes the, 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 the elements. So if you heat up a gas, it turns into liquid. If you heat up a liquid, I mean, if you heat up a gas, if you cool a gas, it turns into a liquid. If you heat up a liquid, it turns into a gas. So temperature plays a big part on the state. 
So depending on the gas, you can solidify. Exactly, exactly. So it, it, you prove my point. The, the temperature actually controls the state of that element, right? So you having a an element, whatever that might be, rubbing against the atmosphere, creating a temperature, and it's increasing and increasing and increasing to the point where the state of that element will change. Yeah. If you have metal, it will melt. Um, so this is actually the best way that I can explain atmospheric reentry. So you could un actually understand. And this is basically what we see at the end of the film. Granted, the pieces were already engulfed in, in flames, but those pieces will never, ever see the ground because they will just turn into dust because of the before. heat before they even hit the ground. Yes. You're forgetting to mention something important about this whole process. Mm. The, the interstellar gates, which we see a lot in Cowboy Bebop too. Yes. Uh, and that is, actually, I was thinking that I don't know what that might be because it could be a warp gate, which is the more stable way to travel in space. Um, it could be a warm gate or it could be a warp gate. Yes. It could be any it of those things. <laughs> eliminates completely any stress on their, the body of a vessel that is trying to enter something like an atmosphere. Hey, hey, I can, I just thought about the third thing that it could be. It could be a quantum gate. Yes. Could be. It behaves exactly the same way as a wormhole. So, I mean, again, this is the great thing about the film is the fact that you can make your own decisions because it's not mm -hmm. given to you. That's true. Okay, so for the first time on the history of Science Fiction Redmond Podcast, <laughs> so the very first time, we will have our very own Captain Chaos giving us his science and sci-fi. And you guys know I love parasites, you know, like well myself. <laughs> so I had some research about that. And and it basically talks not so much of alien, but it tries to use what we have in hand, science fact, to try to play that thought experiment on a parasitical alien life form. Uh, and basically, I, have, I had a research here that shows that on Earth, there's various organisms that exhibit parasitic behaviors. Example includes certain types of fungi, like the one I was talking about, mm -hmm. bacteria, mucosa, insects, and even other plants. And, and these parasites rely on other organisms, known as hosts, host, mm -hmm. to provide them with resources or a place to live. Uh, if life exists in other planets or moons, it is possible that some alien organisms may have evolved to exhibit parasitic behaviors, urges evolution, is a behavioral pattern that would allow them to biological principle suggest a similar environment that will lead them to live like that and evolve into other forms more sophisticated. It always poses the question of what happens to the host, which we don't have much proof or scientific fact on it, since you cannot really interview an insect <laughs> or an ant, <laughs> you know? Yes. Uh, but that's kind of what I got on it. We have that depicting on our own planet. And I wanted to make a point when you were talking also about all the possibilities in the universe. There's so much in our own 
earth, but we're still discovering day by day. Yes. You know? Yes. And that's the beauty about science. It's it's an infinite array of possibilities when you have a natural curiosity to explore everything that it has to offer. Yeah, yeah. I, I agree 100%. And this branch of, the, of, of science is called parasitism but it helps a lot to understand the kind of behaviors from these life forms. And it's very interesting. Um, a TV show that plays a little bit into this, I know you're not, you're some out so you don't watch it. But The Last of Us plays this out because zombies are not really zombies, but basically is a parasitical life form that is fine on the crops that infects humans and makes them behave like zombies. And the funny thing is that the way they communicate is rooted out on the ground by the fungi that expands where they are hiving. Wow. So it's very interesting uh, and scary. <laughs> yes. <laughs> to play. Yes. Especially when you think that this is, a this is one of the possibilities of aliens that we might encounter. Yeah. I think that that's why you like the hole so much. Because <laughs> yes. it has that happy ending. Yes. And you get to have to that the play of it doesn't really eliminate the person, you know. So so he, he has that double-edged sword that it's like at the end of the day, there's something that can be done. All is lost. That person is being hosted by something. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Uh, any other bullet points you want to add? Um, no, I think that I put like for my stuff in there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine. Awesome. Awesome. So um, I, I guess this is the uh, uh, conclusion of this uh, show. Uh, I hope um, you guys enjoyed it. Uh, I know we we are definitely uh, terribly missing uh, Ray for this episode. <clears throat> and then we hope to have him soon on future episodes. But um, I want to thank you uh, again for being with us one more week uh and can't wait to have you back uh yes man for for future episodes uh, again thank you you have no idea how much we appreciate your engagement uh and you guys um, week after week not only downloading and listening to our show but also going into youtube and watching our, our video a month later so and everybody should remember robert remember Raise a cyborg, so he's just going to regular maintenance. Now. Regular maintenance. Regular maintenance. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> just like a leader. Yeah. Uh, so thank you so much. We really appreciate it, um, and um, we 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 love you. We we love you for because because of you, we are who we are. So yes, thank you for so much from the bottom of our heart, and we'll see you next time. See you next time, guys. Well, this is all for now. Reach out to us and let us know what do you think about this episode. Share your comments and let us discuss this episode and any ideas on topics you would like us to discuss on future episodes. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Sci-Fi Remnant. Would you like to join our Discord server? The link is posted in the description. Remember, if you like this show, do share, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Doing this will help others find and enjoy this show. 
Thank you. See you next time. This is Science Fiction Remnant, signing off.